Hey, this is JJ Matat. I'm the worship pastor at Jubilee, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope it ministers to your heart and allows God to speak right to you. If you would like to know more about our church, visit jfc.org. Enjoy the message. Uh, glad that you are here this weekend. A um, little bit different in that uh, we're going to try to accomplish this this weekend. Wrap up um, this series on Once in a Lifetime Legacy, right? And then um, point us towards what's going on in our future. I want to try to use this weekend to answer some questions uh, that have come up. I, so, so like this week, um, so what, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> let me do it this way. If you are visiting, uh, you, you happen into a really unique moment in time for our church. So this year, we're 23 years old. Chris and I are the founding pastors of the church. It's an awesome place. I don't say that in a, in a prideful way. It's not awesome because we're here. It's awesome because Jesus is here in this place and his presence is here in this place. And man, that's what we celebrate and that's what we're about. And that is our commonality. Our common denominator is that we move forward on that issue right there. Um, but we do have in front of us, uh, not, not just an opportunity, but a mandate. And um, really we're talking about the next step beyond this building, and um, uh, increasing our ministry to add a teaching and training center on it that is a dream that Chris and I have had literally for over 30 years that we knew at some point it would join forces, right, side by side with the church. And so I want to talk about that a little more. Um, it, it, it ends, you know, me talking about it specifically, making the whole message about it this weekend. I'll continue to talk, uh, updating and talking about what's going on, but I want to try to answer a few questions because it is, um, this is the weekend that we've asked with those pledge cards, you know, it, we, we're trying to get them back in and we've set this weekend as sort of the weekend. Um, we have until the second weekend of February to add everything up and to see where we are. But this is the weekend that we're hoping. If you're prepared, this is the weekend to, uh, to turn them in and to let us know. So because of that, it's kind of all getting laser pointed and focused. I've got, um, you know, several calls, many, many emails, and they all, they're a little bit different, but they all have similar questions. And I started to write and answer and call, but it was just so many and so many like answering the same question, I thought what I would do, it, I'm just gonna do it this way. So I'll say this, when I'm done with this weekend, if you still have questions, David Melson uh, has made himself available <laughs> to help me. So uh, he will help me, I will, we will do it together. But um, I hope that I can answer a lot of those questions and we can go uh, from there. So um, let, me, um, let me do this. Chris and I were talking about this and... Um, if you weren't here Wednesday, Wednesday was when uh, all of the trouble at the Capitol, it happened on Wednesday, and we came into our fasting time and our prayer time on Wednesday night, directing it towards what was going on with our church, but impossible not to acknowledge what's happening in our nation, right, uh, in a greater way. And I'm praying about right now um, so how to address that in a greater way. Is, is, it, um, is it something that God wants me to spend a little more time talking about the destiny of a nation, and, and the fight for the soul of a nation right now and what's going on inside of our nation. But uh, it's easy to just see things that are going on and think, okay, I'm gonna speak to this. We really need to be led by the Lord in those things. So um, we actually are, uh, I've got a little breakaway, an overnighter with um, a group of leadership to talk about what we'll be teaching over the next several months. And so that'll be one of the things that we're, we will discuss. But wanted to address just real quickly, I wanna remind you, um, it's, I, I didn't feel like the Lord said, change the message. I felt like I need to stay with what I'm doing, but I want to just address this real quickly. It's one of these times where you're, you're looking and you, you know, what is going on? And it seems to me, have said it, I, it's obvious to all of us. It's such a divisional time inside of our nation. And it seems like it only becomes more and more divided and further and further apart, doesn't it? And so you're, you're looking at that and asking. So I, I know this. Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. And the idea of, hey, can't we just all get along? It just doesn't work that way, folks. That's not the way. It, it, it sounds nice, but it's not the way that it works because what it ultimately means is that one side has to say to the other, um, hey, we can agree on this. The Bible says 
Two people cannot walk together unless they're agreed to do so. So it works like that in friendship. It works like that in marriage. It works like that in churches. It works like that in government too. We, there has to be agreement. And right now, there seems to be less agreement than at any other time in our lifetimes, right? And so, you know, what do we do with that? I just want to remind you, it's not, I, I'm not taking us into that to this, this weekend, but I want to remind you that um, obviously God is not thrown for a loss right now. God is not suddenly like, you know, oh my goodness, what has happened to America? God knows exactly uh, what to do. And I want to remind you that God can use evil things for good purposes. And we can never, ever give that up. We can never, ever lose focus and lose what is going on and where we stand at, right? So it's not time now to join the multitude and freak out. It is time more than any other time, set your faith and your belief in God that God can use all things. I'm just gonna say one more time. We all, we, we pray, if we're believers, we pray. God, um, you know, uh, speak to our nation, bring revival to our nation. I think we think that it's a straight line from that prayer to just suddenly everybody has a heart for God, right? And that's not the way that it works. Generally speaking, it's very traumatic things that tumble things up that cause people to recognize their need for God. And so we're living in a moment where I, I believe it, we are gonna have to recognize a need for God. I think the thing we're gonna have to agree on, ultimately, it will not be political issues because we really don't have a political problem and you're free to disagree. We have a spiritual problem in this nation. That's really what we have in our nation is a spiritual problem. And so ultimately, it has to be tackled that way. Of course, it's huge. Just ask this question, is anything too difficult for our God? Because if we fall into the camp where we begin to believe that it's, this is just too difficult, the devil has you right where he wants you, right? He has you right where he wants you. And, and of course, it's not, you know, it's not just cliches that will change anything. And I don't mean to mouth you know, platitudes right now, but I honestly, I, we just stand that it's at a crossroads and it's at a crossroads where God can honestly, he can do so much, right? He can do so much. So it's time to pray for the soul of a nation and to cry out to God. And he even said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven. And he, the promise is he'll heal our land. Our land needs healing. That's what we need. We need healing. We don't need, we don't need better leadership. We need healing right now is what we need. And so I'm just gonna say that. We're praying about how to to direct that and, and what to do with that. But please, stand strong in your faith. Don't find yourself joining people just like, well, it's over and that's it. Never throw in the towel. We have to occupy until Jesus returns. That's our job, right? And that's, that's the mindset. So um, uh, let's, let's do this just real quickly. The whole thing here that we're talking about comes from a dream. Chris and I literally had a twin dream and I won't go back and spend the time on that. It was a supernatural event. I know that some people have trouble with that. Like, Pastor, did that really happen? It really did happen, but I, I'm, I'm not gonna stand here and try to convince you, but I will just throw this out one more time. If you have trouble believing me when I talk about supernatural things, how do you read the Bible? Yeah. Well, like, how, how like, do, do, you didn't, do you read that and think, well, that, yeah, of course, 2,000 years ago, those things were, but today, are, are they still? And, and if you don't think that, then my hope for you is that, that, you know, like after this weekend or after you've been exposed, we infect you to believe in supernatural things, right? I, that's, that's what I want for you. So it really is a supernatural thing that, that God has done. And everything that's happened for our church from zero to where we are, God has, it's always been supernatural. So even when I talk about the crossroads with the nation, I can tell you God has never drawn a straight line for us either, right? Whenever we've prayed, I would love, I even told Chris this week, I would love, in my mind, I would love to just pray and then the next day it just kind of falls down. But it seems like you pray and then what God does is give a challenge. And the people who will, who will step into the challenge, on the other side of the challenge is the miraculous. Right, that's honestly what I have found out in, in my life. It's on the other side of the confrontation, the other side of the challenge, the other side of the, you know, the willingness. That's, that's where the miraculous is. So we find ourselves at that point right now. Like, will we, will we step into this? Will we wrestle through this? Will we, will we come together in unity? Will we move forward in this? And so um, what, what's in front of us and what we've been talking about are two buildings that we have found. I've said it this way. It may be a mistake to say 
this. One makes my soul sing, one makes my soul hum. And um, the difference between the two, yes, of course, now you're like, uh, oh, I get that. Yes, I'm really excited about one and excited about the other one. How's, how's that, right? But I can, whichever way God moves us, I want you to know it won't be like, oh, we got the consolation prize. It will be that that's what God wanted, and I will lead well into that moment right there, and no one will be leading the parade better than I will, believe me. So it's just easy for me to do that. But in one, I see huge opportunity. It's way bigger than what we are right now. The challenge is just, it's monumental, and I, maybe that's what I like about it, right? The other one, we can do. And that's cool, and there's nothing wrong with like having it where you can, you can do it, right? Who's for easy? Yeah. yeah. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying, right? You're all for, or you're not parents. One of the two, right? That's so, well, who's for easy? Come on, it's okay. But sometimes easy is not, you know, it, it's like that thing that we wrestle through and that we choose, and we'll trust God and we'll, we'll get through it. So the CU South Denver building, if at, by this time you haven't looked at it, you, in fact, how many of you have gone down and looked at it real quick? Let me see. Good for you. If you haven't, go. I felt like the Lord told me that when, if you'll go and you'll look at it, he will do his work in your heart. And that's, that's what I need. The other one is uh, the Nichols building is what we're calling it. It's in between Dry Creek and County Line on Nichols, which is over by the Ikea store. So in between Dry Creek, County Line, on Nichols, red brick building. If you drive over there, you will find it. It's the only red brick building. Beautiful building. The difference between the two, uh, one's half the size of the other one. That's, that's it. It's half the size and half the price. It's the easiest way to say it. Half the size and half the price, right? But half the fun. So uh, <laughs> that just came to me right on the... <laughs> So I, I will answer some questions, but first I thought, let me, let me just teach from scripture. So like the question would become, and this has been the biggest thing this week, pastor, is this really even possible? So is it, it, you know, now that people are figuring out the numbers that I'm, I'm talking about and the time frame, that's, you know, time is not our friend in this situation. It, it literally, this Monday, we have eight months from this Monday. That's fast. But you can have a baby in that time. So, a small one, but you can have a baby within that time. <laughs> so, uh, is it possible? And I felt like the Lord gave me this in the very beginning of it. And again, so I, I'm just going to share, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Rather than going, well, he's, he's saying these things because it fits the narrative. I will, I don't do that. And I have to rely on people that know my character to, to, to believe that. You know my character if you go here. It's, I'm not fly by night. I'm not like twist people to get them where I want them. I, I, I'm the real deal. That was a good place to like, you know, you could. I'm gonna try one more time. At least the people that work for me. I'm the real deal. Yeah, you wanna get paid, so come on. All right. Mark 12, 41 through 44. This is Jesus with the disciples. They're at the temple. And people are giving their offerings. They're giving their gifts. And Jesus literally pays attention. So let me just read this to you. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Just real quickly. If Jesus is standing next to that box watching you, I wonder if you would feel like, oh, let me reach in here. I, I'll put back the quarter. Hold on. Here's a 20, Jesus. Look at, would you feel a little different about it? You wouldn't. May God show up the next time you're writing the check or giving online. I would just say to you, if Jesus is watching, it would probably, at least I think it would put pressure on it. Right? And to imagine that he's not watching is silly. It concerns him. He's watching. Not because the money itself matters, but the heart behind the money is everything. Your heart matters. It always matters. It, there's never a time where your heart doesn't matter. In the book of Revelation, when Jesus is commending the churches uh, and telling them, here's all the good things that you have. One in particular, after the admonishment, after the encouragement, then says, this one thing though I hold against you, you have lost your heart for me. Your first love. 
and it's not okay. And I don't want you to do it by going through the motions or by showing up or by signing your name on the line. I want you to have your whole heart into it. So go back to the beginning and do those things and let's get in that love affair with each other. Because that's what it's always about your heart. So this story is not about money. It's not about the people walking in and giving. It's about the heart of the people who are walking in and giving. I'll show you. So Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. Watch the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents, calling his disciples to him. So it must have been interesting for Jesus in order to call the disciples, right? He must have seen something remarkable to him. I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So now, is the moral of this story that Jesus wants you to take a risk and throw everything into the offering every time you're at church? I don't think that's the nature of the story. I don't think that's what he's asking. And by the way, we tend to look at the story and think, well, those, those wealthy people giving those great big gifts, Jesus must be kind of frowning. I don't think, I think Jesus loves the fact that the wealthy are giving too. But he doesn't point out what the wealthy are doing in the idea of, hey, look at, this is what I want you to be encouraged. He points out this widow who gave less than the big, but her heart was greater than the rich. It's, it's the heart, it's always the heart. So the first one then just simply, if you want to take the notes or just follow along with me, God wants your heart. He always wants you. It will never not be about your heart. It's not about when you're young, like it's, that's when he has your heart. It's better when you're young because now you know what it looks like when you're old. You have a point of reference. And that's really, it's more difficult when Jesus said it's easier for a child to come into the kingdom because they have, they can just receive it easier. They get my whole hearts involved. It's what makes it more difficult for adults is that they, they intellectually can ascend to the kingdom, but their hearts have trouble coming into the kingdom. And God doesn't just want an intellectual agreement. He wants your heart. And by the way, if he gets your heart, he gets your brain too. But it is possible that he can have your brain and not have your heart. Paul teaches, literally, that the idea that you can have zeal and not have knowledge. And you can have knowledge and not have zeal, but the supernatural becomes pregnated when zeal and knowledge are together. Did you just hear what I said? Those two things are necessary, knowledge and zeal. Zeal is the excitement, right? But excitement without knowledge is just noisy. And knowledge without zeal is boring. But if you put the two things together, it's powerful. To put knowledge, a real understanding, and then passion. If you're married, that's how you want to be married. You want knowledge and you want passion. You don't want someone to just say, I know you. You want someone to say, I know you and I love you. Yes or no? Maybe there's my next series, right? Because you're like, uh, I never heard that. Are you listening? Um, so God wants your heart. If he has your heart, he has everything anyway. When we talk about money, I, I think the reason that Jesus uses money in, um, in the synoptics, the reason that he points out often They'll use money as an object lesson. Money is that rare thing that reveals the heart of a person quickly. So, so like, I, I'll be a little, I'll tiptoe just a little bit. But if I could look at the credit card statement, the ledger of your checkbook, um, how, I can tell you very quickly where your heart is at. It just, it's one of those things that reveals. And then, it, and it's that rare thing too. Listen to this. You can love God with all of your heart, but the battle for money. Jesus said the two things cannot coexist in your life. Yeah. Because you can't, it's just like what we said, a house divided against itself can't stand, and you can't serve two masters. So he himself points out, you can't serve God and the spirit of money, mammon. 
right? Money in and of itself, a coin, uh, uh, the paper, it's amoral. It's a tool that can be used to accomplish great things, that can set you up to help other people, that can make life fun. When people say that money, it, it doesn't matter, those are people... It matters. If you don't say it matters, you don't get any. So it matters. Okay. So it, it matters, but it's that rare thing that it, there's a battle. When you have money, there's always a battle for your heart. And to ignore that is to be foolish because it, money battles for who's in charge. And you cannot say that God is and have this other thing in there. So it's okay to have money, but money can't have you. Right? Only God can. So when Jesus uses this, this is Mark 10, 25. He says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a wealthy person to enter the kingdom of God. And what, now, so I was talking about that with someone I had coffee with today. And, and they just said, you know, why use such an impossibility to describe? I mean, is, does, does that mean that if you have money, it's impossible for you to enter the kingdom of heaven? So, so this is, uh, I, I learned this neat thing many years ago, listening to somebody else teach. And there is, uh, in, in the old city, um, I think it was Jerusalem, but it might've been one of the old cities in that biblical time um, where they put walls around the city. It was called the eye of the needle, just large enough for a man on a camel making a turn to get in this, just large enough. The idea was that you couldn't come running in on the camel. It would knock you off and it kept invaders from entering into a city too quickly. So it was very narrow, very short, and you had to take your time going through, which allowed the people who were guarding the city a chance to check you out before you could come in and do damage in the city. So Jesus is pulling from what would have been known as a colloquial saying of the day, easier for a camel to make it quickly through that place than it is for a wealthy person to just simply, here's what he's saying. It's not easy if there's a battle for your heart. It's just simply, does that make sense to you? And so this, this money thing, I think the reason he uses this money thing is it just, it just quickly reveals our heart and God wants your heart. Matthew 6, 24 is the scripture that I just brought up. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Um, and I just say it to you one more time. Jesus is so specific in that right there. And yet we treat it, with, we treat it very casually. That would never happen to me. And it does happen to us. And then it's tested. It's tested when people ask us for money. You need to come up here and stand in front of me. But yeah, I, you felt that? It's got icy cold in here. Like, but there's no problem with money. Okay. Um, it's just one of those things that even, you know, it's not my nature. For those that have been with me through the years, you know, one of the things I've had to grow into is to stand up here and be bold to talk about money. For the longest time, I, the enemy had me in a place where I was just intimidated. And I never want anybody to ever feel like they, the only reason that the church is here is because they want your money. We never say that about Ford. The only reason Ford is here is because they want your money. Not that you would give it to Ford, but... Oh, by the way, I just... I, a Ford. Somebody gave a 2018 Ford GT350 Mustang this week to be a part of the legacy. Okay, so if you're like a Mustang fanatic, it's dark blue, that white racing stripe like they put on the four GTs. Andy, you're a car guy. I, I see, yeah, your wife, I, here dude, lock, lock eyes with me. This is the Lord speaking to you, Andy. <laughs> and God wants to make you a great deal. And, dude, it's in my garage, and I have no room for it right now. So if you'd come get it, yeah, you could. Yeah, you know, literally, if you do have a place to store it, I could use that. Because right now, we are, like, trying to get around it. So, um, but I'd rather sell it. And all of it goes to the person who gave it, wants to be anonymous. But it was like their pride and joy. 18,000 miles on it. Three-year-old car, right? It's a beautiful, it's in, if I say perfect condition, and you come and 
nitpick, of course you can find, but it is, it's nice. It's a good family car. If you're looking for a family, drive this car, you'll get married and you'll have a family. So come, come see me. We'll take care of you. Uh, and so as long as I'm talking, somebody gave a piece of property at Grand Lake. And so if you're looking, maybe you love Grand Lake and you're like, I was this week looking for a piece of property and I asked the Lord, do you want me? The answer is yes, he does. He wants you to talk to us. And Pastor Melson, again, David um, would be the person that you would talk to about those things, right? It's, it's within his, his realm. Somebody gave a Rolex watch. Uh, a lady's Rolex watch. If you are interested in something that's beautiful, it's like brand new. Um, uh, several diamond rings were given. Um, several, couple, couple diamond rings were given. Um, so so where, where are we in the midst of it? Um, I, I, we don't know what those things will bring, right? So it's a little, but just, can you let me give an approximate without saying, yeah, yeah. Pastor, you said... It's an approximate because I don't know what they will bring. Somewhere between four and five hundred thousand dollars right now is where we are. There's a significant amount of money, and yet, um, you know, I, I met with a family yesterday that wants to give um, a significant amount of money. Um, and I'll wait until they do it before I say anything. But uh, it's a good thing. It's a fun thing. It's 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 fun to stand up here and talk about these things. And to, and to do that. But honestly, if you are into cars like that or are looking for a piece of property, please see us. We, we need to um, turn those things into the cash for the legacy thing. And we'd rather not hold the asset if that makes, we need the cash for it. So is that okay to say it that way? All right, so let me go back. Um, no one can serve two masters. We hear those words and we just tend to easily think that could never happen to me. So, so, a, a telltale sign is that if it bothers you when I talk about money, money might be a problem to you. It really might be a problem to you. And what I was saying just a few minutes ago about me being, I've had to grow into this. I was very shy. And I always just, here was the thing I would say out loud. I'd rather err on the side of not talking about it than of talking. But the problem is I ripped so many people off for so many years. Not ripping them off by talking. I ripped them off by not talking about it. And I left people with far less than what God wanted to do. And the truth of the matter was, I was living, doing those principles in my life, and that should have been enough to give me moral authority to stand up here and talk to you about it. But I was always afraid of what people would say. I had fear of man. That's a really lousy place to be when you're teaching the gospel. And God has delivered me so that when I talk about it, I'm not acting right now. It comes out of my heart in a real, real way. So there's the second one. Um, I think this scripture, when we ask, what is the scripture about these, just these, these few verses, what is this about? Why does Jesus take the time to point out the giving between these wealthy people and this poor widow? Why, why is this included in a, in a book that has been so carefully edited by the Holy Spirit? Maybe you've heard me say this before. There's a verse that says, if all the works of Jesus had been written down, the world couldn't contain the volumes. Now, of course, that, that is hyperbole, right? It's just, it's speaking of like, he did so much that it's, it's hardly, the gospels can't account for it. But my point is, that would mean that everything that's in there is very significant. Would you agree? So this story, what, why this story? What, what does God want us to get out of this story? It's the first one I think it is that God wants your heart. The second one is just simply this. Large amounts versus giving everything. Large amounts are cool. I don't think Jesus is saying large amounts don't matter. But I think what Jesus is saying, what he points out between the two, people who give large amounts and they're giving it from their wealth, they don't really feel it. It's not that it's not a blessing and it's not that God doesn't honor his word when you give, but he's, point, he's pointing out, look at the difference in the heart. This woman gave more than the large gifts because her heart was larger. Her heart was larger. So if I was to take any moment and just say, what is it about large amounts versus everything? There, there's two or three stories, four stories actually in the Bible of widows. And one of the most familiar ones, the Old Testament, Elijah the prophet with the widow at Zarephath. And he comes into Zarephath and the world is going through um, a famine. 
and people have run out of food. And he comes into this town and he sees a widow at the town gate and she's gathering wood. And the Lord tells Elijah, talk to her. So he says to her, would you bring me something to drink? Wanting to see if she'll respond. That's all it is. Will she respond? She gets him a drink and then he says, hey, wait a minute. Would you make me something to eat? And then she tells one of the saddest stories in the Bible. She says, listen, I don't have that much. And in fact, I'm gathering a little wood to make the last cake for me and my son to eat before we lay down and die. Now, wouldn't you think that Elijah would go, oh, I'm, I'm, never mind. He goes, yeah, that's great. Bring it to me. That's, that's bold. That is like, you better be hearing from God because you're about to kill a widow and her son. And you're going to eat. Like Scrooge, let's decrease the population. So, he, uh, so she says, um, okay. And then he tells her at the agreement, her faith, right? At the agreement, she wants you to know the oil and the flour will not run out during this time. Go test me. And she begins to make cake after cake after cake, and it never runs. And again, so here's, did that really happen? Why are you sitting here if you don't believe that could happen? Yes, come on, man. We're supernatural people serving a supernatural God, not stuck in the dimensions of what we can see and taste and smell, but a God who transcends all of it. Don't you believe that still, man? So that when, even in a challenge like this, we go, oh, it's just too big. And I wrestle back and forth. It's too big. And the Lord has told me, carefully, Crystal witnessed this, keep your mouth shut. You do more damage to what I'm trying to do by your blah, 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 blah. Just keep your mouth shut. Even if you're having trouble, just keep your mouth shut. Listen, that sounds simple, doesn't it? Try it. Go home and tr just try it. Be good. Go on. So she experiences this miraculous by just simply her heart. You know what it is? Why he uses a widow? So maybe it's just like the ultimate act of vulnerability. The most vulnerable in our society, and especially in that time, God is asking those people. And then don't you know that the reward for them is just that much greater, man? And even though Jesus doesn't say what happened to that widow in the temple, I have to believe that he is so good that he did something awesome for her. And just like the widow of Zarephath who was taken care of during that famine. And often we just think, you know, I got to take care of myself. And who do you serve? And is his arm too, too little that it can't save you by many or by few? Is anything too difficult for our God? How are you going to live your life? And man, I get like 45 minutes. And some of you are like, you always take an hour and 15. But either way, 45 <laughs> or an hour and 15. I get that out of the whole week to try to put faith in your heart. And then you spend another six and 23 hours with the world trying to take faith out of you. And the odds are tough. But nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing. And here's the last one. What is this story trying to teach us? It's just, it's the idea of equal sacrifice. And I've said from the beginning, it's not equal gifts. God's not into the equal gifts. He's into the equal sacrifice because somewhere in his economy, what she did was greater than the ones who gave more. Yeah. That doesn't mean like that he didn't bless the ones who gave more, but he points out, look at this woman's faith. She gets it. So if I were to do equal sacrifice and just point out something to you, so I'm, I'm using the idea that we've got to raise between four and five million dollars in a very short amount of time. And I'll explain some details here in a second. But so how could it even be done? If you take 800 people, which our church is double that, but if you take 800 people and 800 people each gave $5,000, that's $4 million. 
So now you're not asking people to, hey, can you give $100,000? Few people can give like that. And when I say $5,000, some people can't do that. And this is where the economy works in equal sacrifice. Because if you can do more, maybe you help pull up the ones who can't. But to sit there and say, I can't do anything, is to act like you're a widow in a famine who's making the last thing so you can lay down and die. Stop. It's not the God that you serve. And then you're like, Pastor, man, how can you say those things to us? It's in the Bible. It's my job. It's my job. And I take it serious. Serious. So if you're like, I, I don't know if I like that, argue with God. All right, so, so let's just do this real quickly. Pastor, details. People are just like, give me details. The reason I've been a little bit reluctant on the CU building to give details is that I have not arrived at a deal with them yet. And my words weigh more when I stand in this pulpit than they do when I'm just shooting the breeze with somebody. When I say something, people expect it to be that way. Yes. You agree with that? Yes. It's what a leader has to agree to. When it gives me the moral authority when I'm talking to you so that you believe me. If I stand up here and I say this this week and then I say this next week and I say, well, I didn't say that. How can you believe anything I say? Right. So I realize that. And because I don't have a deal with them yet, all I can give you is approximations. Amen? Approximations. Here's the approximate. It's approximately $19 million. Approximately. Approximately, we might take a mortgage for 10 of that. We have four or five in cash. Million. So the difference between the two... You can add it very quickly. It's between four and five million dollars. So, Pastor, if it's exactly four, why do you want five? Because we're going to want to do stuff to the building. We're going to want to make a state-of-the-art children's ministry. Our youth group has to... Look, this building has defined us, but it has confined us now. This room serves as a multiple... Our youth group has to meet in here. Our women's ministry has to meet in here. Men's ministry has to meet in here. It does not set itself up to... And to say, aren't you grateful for what you've had for 15 years? I have been grateful. I have not regretted this building. I have not resented this building. I've been in love with this building. I've been thankful for this building. Downstairs, we have one room that's multi-purpose. Everything else is given to children's ministry. One room that's multi So the prayer room is also the conference room, which that's pretty good, actually. But it's also the room that everybody has to use for different events, and it just it doesn't work. But the worst thing about the whole thing is we're turning away ministry. And we should be able to say yes to ministry, not no to ministry. Do you at least agree with that right there? More people can come to the kingdom if I can say yes. What we basically are saying now is this is all we can accommodate. And I don't like that. And I, I can't be okay with that. And I'm not a baby. And if it doesn't go the way that I want it to go, I will not pout. <laughs> I'll scream, but I won't, I won't pout. I'm kidding and so that's what we're faced with right now. And I still haven't struck. Uh, you want an exact? They're at uh, 20 and a half. And we're down at, you know, there's a million dollars between us. It's not that much. But is that much? No, I don't. I'm not being flippant. I just won't throw numbers at the wall. to make, I'm trying to be led by the Lord. The whole thing through it. And by the way. So somebody looked online to figure out what's it worth. They said, Pastor, how can you buy a $40 million building? I can't. It might be worth $40 million, but we can't pay $40 million. And I'm not looking to tell a $40 million story. I'm looking to tell a God story. That's what I'm looking to tell, his story. And if you're like, oh, those numbers are so big. They are. So here's one of the things that's really exciting in the natural for me. Lone Tree where Swab is and Target, that is not Lone Tree build-out. The Lone Tree build-out is on the east side of I-25, all the way around the building that we're looking to purchase. What could that thing be worth five years from now? 
Now that is not, that's speculation and I cannot buy on speculation, but it is fun to say. I don't think when you buy a house, you're like, man, I hope this loses half of its value in the next 10 years. I think you're hoping it's going to, Rich, I mean, that's, generally, we think that way. No one's like, yeah, I hope I lose all my money. And we're all hoping it. Now, it's not the reason to buy it, but it's cool. It really is cool. And there's a great video that Lone Tree put out with what they're doing. Maybe I'll show it. The other building, the Nichols building. It's $8 million. It needs to be built out. So there's some money involved in that. Basically, <laughs> with what we have and what we're raising, we could pay cash for it. That's enticing. That's exciting. And I may turn towards that and say, that's the deciding factor. But listen to me real quick. You've got to understand this. It won't allow ultimately what the other one will allow and I'm thinking big right now and if we don't get there Trish I had to try Sarai I had to try and if you're just like well he's just surrendering <laughs> not even close man I'm doing everything I can to get us there and I'm telling you what the facts are and some of you who are very just minded on you know that is the, um, the responsible thing to do if it is, and God says do that, I will do it. But not everything about the kingdom of God is X's and O's. Can you agree with that at least with me? And by the way, if I'd only surrender to X's and O's, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd still be at Resurrection Fellowship. I would have chose the X's and the O's rather than risking to go with God. And I'm sure glad I risked. I'm sure glad I risked. I will always stand by that. I'm glad I risked. Are you? Come on, man. This church is special because of that. Now, some people are like this right now. Pastor, I don't want our church to change. I, Chris said that. No. Good Lord. That was like... <laughs> Please come up here and help me. It was a joke. But people have... Yeah, no more jokes. Okay, listen. Get serious. I have had people this week, several, I, I just don't want our church to change. So understand this. The thing that you like about this church, it's not the building. It's not the chairs. It's not the lighting. It's not the sound system. What you like about this church is what God called this church. We exist to be a place where people can recover and discover the promises of God. We are Jubilee, man. We are Jubilee. It's the time of Jubilee. It is Luke 4. The Spirit of God is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news, to set at liberty the captive, to heal the brokenhearted, to open the eyes of the blind, and to pronounce the year of God's favor, which is Jubilee, man. It's Jubilee. That's who we are. That will never change. It will never change. Not just while I'm here. It is who we are. It's Jubilee. I promise you, when we're in a school... When we're in a storefront, when we're at 9830 Lone Tree Parkway, and whether we're at Nichols or CU South Denver, we will be Jubilee. I promise you. It's who I am. It's what we are. It's what we do. We will be Jubilee. Now, some people are into this building, and here's why. I got this building from another church that closed. And some people joined our church when that happened. And they, they sweat great drops of blood over this place. They brought it before God for years. And they didn't want it to fall into the hands of a developer. And so when I came along, it, it was a Lutheran church. And many Lutherans have become semi-Pentecostals. <laughs> in order to stay here, you're semi. I see you come. You know, you won't go all the way, but... And you let me talk about talking in tongues without freaking out about it. Okay, so I'll get it. We'll get there. But some of you are like, like this, Pastor, I'm just so invested. So it was why I didn't let it fall into the hands. Two people wanted it. One was a memory care, and they're needed, aren't they? A memory care facility came in and offered us cash on it. 
And I said, no, I didn't even consider it. The other one was a Christian school who had a cash deal, good people, great school. I'm all for them. But when they gave me the letter of intent, I held it and I knew the Holy Spirit said, do not. So I stood there with not being able to answer any of my, like, why won't you sign it? Because I, because I, because the church is supposed to be there. Because churches need help. And especially young churches who were where, and God told me a long time ago, be what you wanted. Quit being bitter about what you didn't get. Be what you wanted. So I turn around and I stick my hand out to other small, vulnerable churches and say, somebody will help you. And lo and behold, out of the blue, no contact. This is a true story. A church in Parker, and I still can't tell you who because they're doing their big to-do this weekend. And they're revealing the whole plan and purpose to their church. And he said, please, don't you reveal it to my church. That's fair. Do you agree that's fair? I mean, he should reveal it to his church. Church in Parker, they're seven years old. They're excited about this. They need this. I, I told the story, and I don't have time to go back in there, but they're, it's awesome. And they come out of the blue, and the guy doesn't say, let me impress you with what we've done. He said, can we tell you our story? Oh, I'm always about the story. I'm a sucker for the story, man. Yeah. Want my attention? Tell me a good story. Give me X's and O's, but tell me the story. And the story, it was God. I knew it. I heard the Holy Spirit say, Leah, I heard the Holy Spirit. I heard the Holy Spirit. And when you hear the Holy Spirit, it's, if you know his voice, it's undeniable. I said, we'll do it. And they're excited. And I, I will reveal it to you very quickly. Just, I gave my word. So some people, like, Pastor, we're into the building. It, the, the place matters. So listen to this. An awesome church is coming, and if you need to identify with the building, join the awesome church that's coming. I bless you in that. I don't curse you. I bless you. I release you. I love you into their arms. I love you, and it's cool. So you feel good about that, and you stay, and you pray, and you fight for this place. Amen? It's not as good as Jubilee, but it's... it's <laughs> And I just will say this. Perhaps I haven't answered all the questions that you have. I know some people have some real X's and O's. Like, you know, is it going to be a... Somebody asked me, uh, are you, are you going to have two corporations? And if you have two corporations, what percentage of the money is... <laughs> Let me just sign a contract, right? Let me get there, and then I can answer all... And by the way, if you're like, I can't give until I know those things, don't give. Molly, fair, don't give. It's cool. I understand. Some people are driven by X's and O's and need to know those things to feel responsible in their giving. I get that. All I can give you right now is what God's done in my heart. That's it. That's all I can do. That's all I can do. Do you hear God or don't you hear God? If you hear God, help me in this. And if you do not hear God, stick around. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Okay, I am 523, which is an hour and 23 minutes, but worship had 30, so... And Daniel's up here. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I wrote these two things down. <laughs> Listen to this. We were designed to desire. We were born to create. And we were made to pursue and to apprehend. I, I cannot play it safe. I wasn't ever brought here to play it safe, man. God brought me here to risk. He brought me here to achieve. He brought me here to try, to, to go for it. I cannot play it safe. I cannot. <laughs> Most of the time, what we need will be brought to us, but what we want, we have to go for. Yeah. It's the difference between those two things. Learn that right now. What you need will usually come your way, but what you want, you have to decide, will you go for it? And that's where we are in space and time. I don't have all the answers. I don't know. 
exactly how God's going to do this. But don't know what the outcome's going to be right now. I believe God wants to do this. I believe we can do this. I believe you will look at me if we do this and go, well done. Either place. The only option we don't have is to stay put and play it safe. Can't do it. Can't do it. Hmm. I wrote down one more thing. I'm not sure it's applicable to this. Uh, Jesus has a one-step program. You've heard of a 12-step? Jesus has a one-step, out of darkness, into light. I, I was thinking that might be a message, but I, it, I, it was so cool I wrote it down. So. It's a freebie. You didn't pay for it. In Cajun terminology, it's lanyap, which is the gravy, the extra. So there's a little extra. Jesus has a one-step program from darkness to light. Boom. And that's why we do what we do. Yeah, I love you and I bless you. And I want to commend you right now. Um, I want to commend you to being bold, to being brave, not risking in the natural, but risking, risking with our Jesus. Being willing to say yes to God when he presents to us opportunities. On the other side of the event, on the other side of the wrestling, on the other side of the opportunity, right? There's the miraculous. And we pray, God, show up in my life and God, speak to my heart and God, move. And we always just think it's a straight line that we pray that prayer and then we wake up the next day and our hearts are in this awesome place. And it's just, God can do anything, but that's just not the way I've seen it. It's generally when we pray that prayer, God pays attention and then he sends to us a challenge or an opportunity or, or some kind of a confrontation where we've got to spiritually push the enemy back and take advantage of what the word tells us to do. And church, I'm talking to your spirit right now. You want the miraculous? If you think I'm trying to build this building and get this for me and for Chris, you're so wrong. I'm trying to do it for you. I, before God, I'm trying to do this for you. In this next phase of our lives are the best days of our lives. And what a time for the light to shine. When we look and we see darkness on the horizon, how good it is to know that the sun shines behind us. Come on, church. Come on. We're not done. We're not going to fold and we're not going to go away and we're not going to be quiet. Come on. Come on. Dare with me. Throw in with me. Really throw in with our God. Come on. I dare you. <laughs> I dare you. Come on. You pray for the miraculous? Come on. Here it is. Come on. Come on. Come on. Amen.